0: Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Hope wherever you are, wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your weekend. And if you were a Grizzlies fan, I damn well hope you're having a great start to your weekend because the Memphis Grizzlies are back in the NBA playoffs. We've heard it all season long. The focus on the future, data accumulation, and for good reason, that should have been the focus all season long. But of course, Grizz Next Gen, we saw the growl towels in the FedEx form on Wednesday night. Next up, Memphis. Well, what Memphis did after they clearly said that they were next up on Wednesday night, they stepped up last night in the Bay, beating the Golden State Warriors 117, 112. And what was the biggest victory for this Grizzlies team in over four years? And we're going to break it all down for you in this episode of the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. In the first segment, break down the entire game, talk about where it went right for Memphis and why they were able to do many of the things they needed to do in order to win. The second segment, talk about the rotation in depth. Some underlying key things that really stood out that showed just how impressive of a win it was for Memphis. And coming up in the third segment, obviously looking forward to our matchup with the Utah Jazz on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Grizzlies. We'll do a complete preview of the Utah Jazz series, but get into why it's such a special opportunity for this Grizzlies team to be able to play against the Utah Jazz in the playoffs. Of course, you can find the show at Grizz. Myself at stats SAC. You can find the podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be. Listen, review, subscribe, let us know what you think of the show. We always want to make sure we're providing content that is relevant to our listeners' preferences. My name is Sean Coleman. I've been covering the Grizzlies now for nearly three years, three years riding over at Grizzly Bear Blues, over a year here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And the reason why I enjoy doing this is I cherish every opportunity. I get to talk about things that I'm passionate about. The NBA, sports, and Grizzlies, your Grizzlies, everyday insight, perspective, news, Awesome reactions to when your team makes the playoffs, but the biggest reason why I'm here is the ability to share in the enjoyment of being passionate about this Memphis Grizzlies team, and there's not a better time to be passionate about them than right now after last night's victory. Of course, the Grizzlies, one thing that has been consistent about this Grizzlies team this past week, as they obviously... Fought to determine their spot in the play-in tournament against the Warriors on Sunday and then against the Spurs and against uh, the the uh, Warriors again last night. They got off to a great start. Once again, they got up by as much as 10 points, or excuse me, 11 points in the first quarter of last night's game. But of course, as we know, when it comes to playoff basketball, even if you get off to a hot start, it's not likely you're going to keep it. Just like we saw Sunday, just like we saw Wednesday, last night again, First half of the first quarter, the Grizzlies are on an absolute tear. John ja Morant stepping up, and immediately, as I had mentioned and many others had mentioned, if John ja Morant could hit his open shots early, and you saw the Warriors going under the screens, giving him the opportunity to hit his shots, that was going to open up the offense for this Grizzlies team, and that's exactly what he did. Two early threes, along with another couple of twos, gave him 10 early points. This Grizzlies team got off to an 11-point lead early in the first quarter, but of course, then the Warriors come back, Steph Curry is Steph Curry, just sitting there time after time, hitting shot after shot, producing point after point, and that led to a 30-29 to lead for the Grizzlies after the end of the first quarter. But in the second quarter, that's where this Grizzlies team really shined, outscoring the Golden State Warriors, if I'm correct, I believe that it was 35-20 to in that first, excuse me, yeah yeah, I think it was actually 33 to 20. They the Grizzlies outscored the uh Golden State Warriors by 12 or 13 points. They were able to keep a consistent lead throughout that second quarter because they were hitting threes and then obviously the late run by the Grizzlies gave them a 62 to 49 lead at halftime and at halftime I tweeted out stats that stood out. The Grizzlies were hitting on all the points that they needed to in order to win this game, but the great thing about it was But they were doing it not only because they were able to weather one of Steph's surges, that Steph surge that we saw at the end of the first quarter, but also obviously limiting they were able to do it despite Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. being limited due to fouls. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that some of those fouls were not actual fouls. I do think that some of them were questionable, and I'll be honest with you, I do think there was special attention paid to both Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas. Not that I'm saying the NBA is doing anything shady, whatever you want to believe there, that's fine. I will say that I do think there was extra attention paid to them. But Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. simply were not making the impact that they had together in the starting lineup in previous games. What did stand out is this Grizzlies team doing exactly what it needed to do in order to play well against the Warriors. Nine first-half threes, nine first-half turnovers committed. They were a positive when it came to possession. Free throws, 11 of 11 in the first half in free throws, which a huge difference as well. They also, a big, 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 big boost. They also were a plus 10 in bench points in the first half. So a 13-point lead for Memphis. But of course, as we all know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. Up until about five minutes left to go in the third quarter, in the first seven minutes of the third quarter, the Grizzlies and Warriors went back and forth. The Grizzlies lead got up as high as 16, but the Warriors were able to fight back. At five minutes left to go in the third quarter, Steph Curry was 7 of 20 and had 20 points in the game. That's when he took off, and that's what allowed for the Warriors and Grizzlies or the Warriors to come back on the Grizzlies. Steph Curry, over the final 17 minutes of regulation, if my memory serves me correctly, 17 points on 6 of 7 shooting. He clearly was the star. John Morant was doing just enough to maintain the opportunity, but Steph was stepping up and was delivering and being the all-time great that he was. And that's what allowed for this Warriors team to come back. But when the Grizzlies needed to make the big defensive play they consistently did just that. John ja Morant, we'll get into this a bit more in the second segment. John ja Morant's defense stood out in the fourth quarter, but one thing that really stood out on the final play of the game. The Warriors got exactly what they wanted. They knew that Steph was going to be double teamed by the Grizzlies. As the Warriors came back due to some very good three-point shooting, we'll get into the other thing. We'll get into the uh challenge on the three-pointer in the second segment of the show. But the thing that stood out was that the Warriors were able to get to tie the game with about eight seconds left. They knew that Steph Curry was going to be double teamed. And on the inbounds pass to Steph Curry, he finds a wide-open Draymond Green. And we see it all over Twitter, right? We see it everywhere. Draymond Green missed an easy gimme. I believe it's called a bunny nowadays. He missed an easy shot in the lane to be able to take the lead for the Warriors. But what was not mentioned was the effective and intelligent flash, distraction, the defensive step-up of Xavier Tillman that was able to get the shot missed, that was able to distract Draymond Green enough to where he could not make the shot. Probably Draymond Green should have made the shot, but Xavier Tillman made it harder than it should have been, and that was a great play by the rookie. And then, of course, we go into overtime. The big things that stood out in overtime – Going with the hot hand, as Taylor Jenkins has done, we're going to talk in the second segment about some things where Taylor Jenkins struggled last night. But one thing that you have to give Taylor Jenkins credit for is that when he's gone with his gut on who to start in a game, even if it may not be the player you think would make the most sense playing in a critical time of the game, when he's gone with his gut, it's made a difference. And that's exactly what made the difference last night in overtime. Going with Xavier Tillman over... Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., after Jonas had fouled out, going with Grayson Allen over Desmond Bain as Bain had got more minutes in regulation. The lineup in overtime was Jaw, um, uh, Kyle Anderson, Dylan Grayson, and Xavier Tillman. And we needed everybody stepping up to contribute. Dylan's defense, Kyle Anderson's smart play, Jaw's playmaking and floaters. But the big thing that made the difference. Nine points on three threes combined from Xavier Tillman in the corner as well as Grayson Allen early in the overtime. Two big threes from him. Those nine points were a huge difference maker. But the even more important factor in it was after Steph Curry, with about, I believe, a little, over, little under four minutes left in the overtime, he had a big shot. To give the Warriors a 103-101 lead, the Grizzlies held him to zero points and only one shot attempt and one turner over, over for the final four minutes of overtime. When this Grizzlies team needed to step up and it needed to play the defense of its life to win the game, they did exactly that to the extent of taking Curry out of the game. That's how awesome of a team performance this was overall. The end result was a team effort that allowed for this Grizzlies team to check many of the boxes that it needed to. As I had mentioned many times this week, this Grizzlies team, they were going to have to be the team that was going to have to play at their potential elite in many more categories than this Warriors team was going to because the Warriors had Steph Curry. They needed just that. But I also mentioned that the one thing that I wanted from this game, win or lose, was Ja Morant to step up as the superstar. We all know that he has the potential to be, and he absolutely delivered. All game long, he was able to answer the questions about his shooting. I'm not saying he's still... He he all of a sudden is becoming... That's all. This is suddenly going to be a consistent part of his game. But he answered the bell when that was a big question mark last night. The Warriors said, "Here's how we want you to be at this," and he did exactly that in the first half. And in the second half, he went to what he's good at: getting into the lane, featuring his floaters, getting to the um the uh, the rim. And at the end of the game, two huge floaters and just absolute, utmost confidence in his game and the willingness to know that he had everything he needed to to win the game, he stepped up. His team provided him the opportunity in the platform. John ja Morant stepped up on that platform and delivered and delivered this Grizzlies team a victory. 117-112 to 112 and the opportunity to go to the NBA playoffs. The roster said all year long the playoffs were the goal after being so close last year. They stepped up delivered again as I mentioned in the small video that I did after the game all season long one big narrative about this team is it doesn't matter who steps up to get the job done as long as it gets done there were many jobs that needed to be done last night many people stepped up to do them some unexpectedly but at the end of the day we all felt that it was going to come down to John his performance and he absolutely delivered and every bit of it was needed to get the biggest Grizzlies victory that we have seen in over four years and a huge step forward from this young roster. But beyond all the things that I mentioned as specifically about the game, a few other underlying things really stand out about yesterday's performance from players other than Jaw, other than Dylan, other than Jonas Valanciunas. Coming up, we'll discuss how there were some really encouraging signs about the depth of the Grizzlies continuing to step up and why that's really going to be needed in the playoffs. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld positive percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of death, speed, and power, and it's, it, it, it's as quiet as an electronic toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension, using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're hearing holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guidance routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me. Me and my wife, we've had a Theragun for nearly six months, and it does the exact trick. After a long day in which stress certainly has worn us out, it's a great way to relieve some of that stress and just be comfortable. It It's a fun part of the day to be able to find a way to relieve stress that you can rely on. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only 199... $199. Go to Theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your gin 4 Theragon today. That's Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. On tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, another special weekend edition, we will have a full breakdown, obviously, of the upcoming series with the Utah Jazz. A lot of fun going into this series. One where the Grizzlies' depth could actually add an advantage to them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But also, of course, the narrative of Mike Conley, you know, and probably the best chance he's ever had of having a title run. He gets to start first against the place where he's beloved, against the team where he's an all time great in the Memphis Grizzlies a lot of fun going into this series, and we'll have a full breakdown of it, obviously, on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But some other things that really contributed to yesterday's game that I wanted to point out that really are encouraging for this Grizzlies team going forward. One was obviously the Jordan pull three, where he obviously extended his leg out against Desmond Bain. It should have been a foul on pull. There never have been should have been three free throws, and yet... Being straightforward, Coach Jenkins was completely wrong. There should have been a challenge call. The two-minute report came out a few hours ago that supported that. Jenkins was wrong in, in not challenging the call. But one thing about Jenkins is that he quickly makes decisions that he feels is right, goes with it, and stays committed to it. He was wrong in that instance, but... If that is something that people want to harp on, make a point of, they should. That's understandable. It's it's an area where Jenkins needs to grow for him to add the full value that he can as a head coach. But the big other thing about it is is that he also made up for it by making the right calls with his gut of going with Grayson Allen over Bain and Tillman over Jaron Jackson Jr. in that overtime victory. So I, even though he made a clear mistake, he made the right calls to overcome that and still pick up a big victory for this Grizzlies team. And the great thing about it yesterday was, was the way in which the Grizzlies won was also really encouraging. The refs obviously seemed to certainly make sure that things were, they made it difficult on Memphis, and we'll leave it at that. Obviously taking JV out of the equation, taking Jaron out of the equation, so on and so forth. But the other thing is, is that this Grizzlies team survived two impactful, long stretches of Steph Curry being Steph Curry. Last half of the first quarter, and then the very last of the third and the fourth quarter in which he led this Warriors team all the way back. They were able to weather those storms, but at the end of the game, when they could no longer afford to weather it, for them to be able to create the difference to get the job done, almost four entire minutes of Steph not scoring to end the game. The Warriors were 9-2 nine, 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 and two this year when Steph Curry scored 40 or more points. The Grizzlies held him to 39 points for the final four minutes of the game. So we've talked about it all year, how this Grizzlies team led by Dylan Brooks can do a very good job, maybe to the level, I haven't exactly looked at the stats myself, but probably to a level that's not touched by many other teams, of being able to limit a star perimeter player when they need to. And they did it once again last night when they absolutely had to. Another big thing about this Grizzlies team was their defense overall. The team defense stepping up, obviously, to you know, to get Steph taken care of when they needed to. But another big thing about it, yes, you look at Dylan's ability to be able to shadow and limit the star player. For the other team, he's likely going to be doing that against Donovan Mitchell in the series against the Jazz. But the other big thing about it is, is that the areas in which teams feel they can exploit this Grizzlies team, you can see the Grizzlies getting better in that area as well. When Jonas has been in the game over the past two games, in elimination games, in two games where the Grizzlies were potentially going to be eliminated, or not potentially, if the Grizzlies lost, they were going to be eliminated. Jonas Valanciunas, in matchups where he was the primary defender with either DeMar DeRozan or Steph Curry, they combined to go 3-for-10 against him over the past two games, including Steph Curry going 1-of-4 from the field and 1-of-4 from 3 when he was matched up with Jonas. Now, of course, there was help. I'm not saying that Jonas just absolutely stifled, but there clearly is not the advantage other teams feels that there is, or that there used to be. In these last two games, there's not been the advantage for opponents that they feel that they have against Jonas, and that shows that Jenkins, Jonas, and the team are doing a better job of making sure that he is not as exploitable on switching situations and in defense in general, especially away from the basket. That's a highly encouraging sign. Xavier Tillman last night, we talked about his defensive IQ stepping up on that final shot by Draymond, the Warriors were 3 of 12 and committed 5 turnovers when Xavier Tillman was the primary defender on one of their players, especially going up against Draymond. He limited Draymond, I think, for 2 from 6 from the field. He did give up a lot of assists, but the reason why is because the player that was guarded by Draymond was not having a lot of success creating their own shot. So that 1-2 combination at center that the Grizzlies can step up and be able to put on the court. If JV is not delivering or is unavailable, Xavier Tillman stepping up and delivering is a big, big step forward for this team. Their depth at center is not as exploitable as it once was when it comes to switching on smaller players, and that's a big boost to this defense overall, one that's certainly going to be needed against Utah. But the other big encouraging factor is that this Grizzlies team – Without having JV, despite Steph doing you know what he did, yes, they did a good job on Steph, but they were able to step up. This Grizzlies team clearly understood what it needed to do in order to get this victory against Golden State, and it did exactly that. 15 threes, 21 turnovers, 22 of 26 from the line. This Grizzlies team made the free throws that it needed to in a close game. It shot the threes at the rate that it needed to in order to beat a team that is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, and they were able to exploit the big weakness of this Golden State team in their in their proneness to, comm- to creating turnovers. That stood out as a big difference in this game for this Grizzlies team because, once again, there were not the usual advantages. Points in the paint. Um, Fast break points, those were not there for the Grizzlies like they usually are, but they were able to get the things done that they needed to get done. Hit threes and create turnovers. As I mentioned before the game, the Warriors coming into last night's game were were 14 and 21 when they committed 13 or more turnovers and allowed their opponent to hit 10 or more threes. The Grizzlies hit 15 threes and committed 21 turnovers. And that was a huge, huge difference in this game. So many different underlying supporting narratives, boosts, whatever you want to call them, several encouraging instances in last night's game should not only, you know, along with the win from last night, should really put this Grizzlies team in a confident position going into a series with the Utah Jazz. But obviously, the big thing starts with John Morant, and the performance that he had last night is going to be needed consistency, consistently for this Grizzlies team to get the upset in their first ever playoff round as a roster. But that's not the only thing from last night that I do feel this Grizzlies team should be confident in its ability to do against Utah. Coming up, three takeaways from last night's victory over the Warriors, that I really think could impact the Grizzlies positively, or at least they have a reference point of what they're going to need to do in order to get the victories that they need to beat Utah. Today is the first official day of the NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs are already in full swing. Baseball is nearly two months into its season and there are so many different things to enjoy when it comes to wagering and betting on sports and if wagering and betting on sports is part of what makes your enjoyment of a fan exists i've got the place that has you covered and that is betonline.ag betonline the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action that you love no matter where you no matter where your interest lies this time of year baseball basketball hockey mma betonline has you covered baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all your new latest news, odds, and info and all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, you're on Online sportsbooks experts, don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when you head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and get that 50% welcome bonus. So the Grizzlies' attention obviously now turns towards the Utah Jazz. Yes, for every reason that you can think of, the Grizzlies have every reason to celebrate last night's victory. It was a big step forward. It made this season better than anybody could have expected for this Grizzlies team. They expected to make the playoffs. Not many others did, but they were able to deliver and get it done when they needed to. And now they've achieved their goal. But as John Morant said, the job's certainly not done. And this Grizzlies team from last night's victory has several reasons why it should be confident that it can at least make things interesting against the Utah Jazz. Now, let's also be sensible. Let's be logical here. This is a Utah Jazz team that arguably may be the best regular season team in Utah Jazz history, and we're talking about a franchise that had nearly two decades of John Stockton and Carl Malone. This is a very deep, very disciplined, highly efficient team. Shoots and defends the threes well, very effective when it comes to half-court offense. There are several areas that where the Utah Jazz... Are elite or at the best in the league. There are several areas where they're elite or a, the best in the league and areas where the Grizzlies struggle. So the Grizzlies being able to win this series is going to be a very hard task for them to accomplish. They are big-time underdogs for a reason, but that does not mean that they cannot get the job done if they stay consistent in certain areas. The first one, obviously, is the big reason why they won last night, and that's Ja Morant stepping up and delivering. 35 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, 5 of 10 from 3. He's going to have to play to that level in nearly every game for this Grizzlies team to win. Jaws going to have to shoot the 3 to the level that he did from April 1st on to end the season and also at times last night as well. Now, I don't think he's going to have an easier time shooting the 3 against the Jazz as he did the Warriors. I think the Jazz are going to make sure, they'll probably make sure that he's going to be able to hit them before they commit too much energy to guarding him on the perimeter. But it's not going to take a lot of convincing. If Jaws sitting there hitting those threes, the Jazz are going to be forced to step up and challenge him up at the three-point line. But an encouraging thing to remember is that that three game in four, when the Grizzlies played the Jazz in three of four games on their schedule from March, Ja became only the third player since the start of the 2019-2020 season to score 30 or more points against this Jazz team. The other two, Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. So Ja has reference points. The Grizzlies know that Jaw can deliver to the level that he did last night when he needs to against this Jazz team, as just six weeks ago, he did it within a few days of the schedule. So Josh stepping up and playing like he did last night is going to have to be essential for this Grizzlies team. The other thing that stands out is that this Grizzlies team is going to have to find ways to be consistent on offense without Jonas consistently being at the level that he was on Sunday and on Wednesday when he had 29 and 16 against the Warriors on Sunday and 23 and 23 against the Spurs on Wednesday. There's a guy by the name of Rudy Gobert who's going to be playing for the Jazz matching up with Jonas. Derek Favors, who also is going to come in and play at times in the game. He's not going to be a slouch at all when it comes to his defense on Jonas. It's very unlikely Jonas is going to consistently be a 15-15, 20-20 15, threat on a given night. In other words, what I mean, I don't know if Jonas is going to consistently be at the level he's been for much of the season, at least since March 1st, when it comes to his play. So that's going to have to put the responsibility on creating offense on others to be able to do it. Dylan Brooks obviously stepping up like he has in the second half of the season. The support of Kyle Anderson as a facilitator in rebound is going to be rebounder is going to be huge. Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman stepping up. Bain playing like he did without hitting threes over the past two games for the Grizzlies. Xavier Tillman's improved three-point shooting and defense. DeAnthony Melton and the bench are really going to have to step up as well. That's a key point to the to Jonas maybe not making the impact that he usually does. This bench for the Grizzlies is going to have to step up because two of the Utah Jazz's bench players, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, are sixth man of the year candidates. That's why you could arguably say that in terms of a bench duo in this league, the Jazz overwhelmingly had the best one in Clarkson and Ingles. So the Grizzlies are going to have to rely on their depth in order to create the offense they're going to need to, to win this series, especially if Jonas is limited. And last night was a big boost to a bench that certainly has struggled. The Grizzlies certainly had the capability of playing with the Utah bench. There are not many teams who can go as deep as Utah can. The Grizzlies can go as deep as them. The Grizzlies' depth may not be as quality of talent as Utah's right now because of how young the Grizzlies' depth is. But this Grizzlies team can go 10 deep and still feel confident they can play with anyone in the league, especially when it comes to second units being on the court. But another huge factor, and to me this may be just even bigger, then when it comes to John Morant's performance last night against the Warriors, the Grizzlies were 15 to 35 shooting the three. They held the Warriors to 12 to 34 shooting the three themselves. In that first game against Utah, where the Grizzlies lost by three points, they shot the three extremely well and gave the uh, Jazz, at least up to that point in the season, one of the worst three-point shooting performances the Jazz had, had up to that point. The Grizzlies are going to consistently half to hit threes, 11, 12, 13 or more threes per game, and they're going to have to consistently play good defense on the perimeter. That's going to be the key difference in this game. One of the things that stands out about the Jazz, that it make them have the best record in the league, is the ability to shoot the three, but also defend the three from everybody on the roster. A big reason why they can do that is just how impactful Rudy Gobert is at the rim. But this Grizzlies team consistently being able to shoot and defend the three, much like they did after they faced the Jazz in March. That's one thing to remember: is that that April run, that April first through fifteenth, April twentieth, whatever you want to call it, there was a stretch of about three weeks where this Grizzlies team played their best offensive basketball in the season, well balanced for about ten games in April. Nobody expected for it to be sustained, but it came right after. They had lost three straight games to the Utah Jazz. This Grizzlies team, I strongly feel, really paid attention to what was exploited about the team against the Jazz at the end of March, made adjustments, and they wound up playing their best basketball under Taylor Jenkins that they played since he's been here. A big reason why they were able to do that is featuring the shooters, Melton, Allen, Bain, Brooks, Josh, shooting will all those things were in place during that run in April, and the Grizzlies do have each of those players back and obviously healthy. Without how well, um, it, it, with how well Grayson was shooting the three last night, and also the improvement from players like Tillman as well. This Grizzlies team once again should feel confident in the three point shooting of its depth. That's going to be needed for a team in the Utah Jazz who may be one of the best depth three-point shooting teams in the history of the NBA. The Grizzlies' ability to defend and shoot the three, as we've talked all season, is going to have to step up. Them doing it on both ends was the reason why they made the playoffs. Now, if they have plans to keep going in the playoffs, they're going to have to do it once again. But this, of course, is a small Bit of a small sample of what we're going to look at tomorrow Tomorrow on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast as we looked thoroughly into the matchup with the Utah Jazz, specifically focusing on that, that short stint of the season in which we played on our schedule three of four games against the Utah Jazz. What was successful? What was not? How have the Grizzlies adjusted since then? And what will they need to consistently do? in order to be able to come up with a way to beat a significantly more talented team, in my opinion, than the Utah Jazz. That's not meant to be an insult. It just shows how special it is that this Grizzlies team is here, but also how big of a task they have going forward when it comes to beating the Utah Jazz. Of course, you can find the show at Locked On Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast, wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, podcast app on your phone. My name's Sean Coleman. It's been a pleasure. It's even much more fun to know that we've still got several games of Grizzlies basketball left this season. Whenever you want to find out anything you need to know about the Grizzlies, come to the place that provides you with your Grizzlies every day, the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.